Hey guys, I'm Mina. Hey y'all, I'm Ashley. And welcome back to Through Through the the Cracks. Alright, so... Last episode, we talked all about attachment styles and how to find out what your attachment style is and the stigmas around certain attachment styles, slash how to cope with them, communicate with them, be aware of them, and so on. This week, we are talking all about love languages because that kind of coincides with your attachment style and is a really important way um, to be able to connect with your partner and even with your friends and family because everyone has different ways of receiving and giving love sometimes you have two different love languages like you have one love language for how you give it and one love language for how you receive it and we're going to talk about that and distinguish all the different kinds of them and what they mean the distinguishing factors of them and um, how to recognize if and when you need a different um, kind of love from somebody else like Sometimes I think it's a really common thing where people need a different kind of love but don't know how to ask for it or maybe um, your partner might receive love differently from how you give it and sometimes we have to make some consensuses, consensus, consensus, I don't know what the plural of that is but we're gonna go with it. Um, Sometimes you just have to roll with it and, and understand that there are compromises that have to be made during like relationships and in in any kind of friendship relationship or so on it's not gonna be perfectly fit most of the time I've heard a lot of people describe relationships as a puzzle piece that you just kind of like shave off pieces and like move pieces around to kind of make it fit perfectly because you're never going to automatically fit and click perfectly with another person especially when you grow up in different environments or have different upbringings have different experiences have different fears or anxieties or ways of giving and receiving love and communication and so on so we are going to get into all of that so along with your metaphor of a puzzle piece I was thinking of it as a Rubik's Cube mostly because I've never been able to successfully solve one (laughs) so that's fitting there's actually like a a, um formula for it I tried using the formula I don't know what I did wrong really I did something wrong every time I use the formula it works that's why people can do it so fast because there's like a certain number of times you're supposed to turn certain ways that actually like solve it every time yeah unsuccessful but that's what I always think of it. The face of it to the certain colors first. Yeah, there's always like I swear somebody's moving the stickers because there's always one like random white cube where I'm like, how did you get there? (laughs) I don't understand. Why why are you there? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, if you have a good Rubik's cube, then no one can move the stickers because it's just plastic. I have successfully taken apart and reattached a Rubik's cube because they're just those little plastic pieces you pop off. Oh, you can't. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've got like a crappy one, then yeah, you can pop them off. Or like sticker one, then you can. Yeah, you just peel the sticker off, replace it. Yeah, no. When I was a kid, my dad was like obsessed with the Rubik's cube one time. Like him and his brothers were hell bent on solving the Rubik's cube on their own without any help. And so they bought like some really nice ones that you couldn't like take apart. So that's just boring. Like. <laughs> Come on, let me take things apart and put them back together. It's definitely cheating, but okay. Listen, you just said to shave pieces off the puzzle piece, so I figured the Rubik's Cube, I can take a sticker and move it. 
I guess. <laughs> Anyways, rerouting. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I really want to emphasize along with attachment styles, love languages, personally, I feel like are very important to learn prior to going into a relationship, which is why it's part of this talking and dating month that we're talking about, mm-hmm. because it's something that you can definitely discover about yourself while talking to somebody or while in the beginning stages and dating. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference if you are able to look at your partner and say, this is the way that, you know, when you do this is when I feel most loved. Right. I definitely learned the most about how I receive love from being in a relationship and just having different things done and tried and so on, trial and error before I realized, oh wait, like that is the thing that I prefer over that thing and like no harm, you know, no foul, like, that's what you do, that's how you learn, especially when we're young, and, like, the whole point of this is, like, we're here to support each other and help each other figure out these 20-something struggles, and that's definitely something that people in their 20s and even 30s, or maybe longer, are still trying to figure out, so. Absolutely, and the way that we accept and give love, like, with attachment styles, can change. These are a little harder to change. However, this isn't something that you really need to change about yourself. The way that you accept love, the way you give love, they're all valid. They're all wonderful. And especially if you're with a partner or you have a support system that respects what your love language is and does their best. Right. As long as you are realizing not everybody gives love in the same way that you receive it. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be patient with the people in your life If they are new at maybe words of affirmation, they're not typical to accepting compliments or Mm -hmm. giving them, it takes time for that to We have a good friend that doesn't know how to accept compliments. I know you know who you are, Miss (laughs) Ma'am. Hopefully you are listening, but it's something that takes time and what I really appreciate as somebody who is a words of affirmation person in both the way that I give and receive love, it means a lot to me that they are working on being more accepting of compliments, A, because I want them to feel better about themselves, but B, because I want them to know that, like, this is me expressing my love for them, my appreciation, mm-hmm. caring about them. Yeah. Um, so I guess go ahead and breaking it down, um, the five love languages are words of affirmation, which typically isn't necessarily just praise like it doesn't have to be oh my god you're so gorgeous oh my god you're the absolute best all the time but it's just mentioning little things I know one thing for me somebody looked at me a little while back and they just went you know I love when you're like looking at something and you just start staring at it and you like crinkle your nose a little bit (laughs) and like to me, I was like, that's yeah. so sweet. Like, I yeah, really appreciate noticing that. noticing those little things. That's something my ex used to do is, like, he would send me these really long lists of things that he loved about me and these tiny little things that I didn't even notice about myself, that nobody really noticed about me in the way that I just 
am, you know, like little quirks and things about me and how I live and how I, you know, hold myself and whatever. And hearing those things made me feel really loved because it's like, wow, like you pay attention to the things that I don't even pay attention to about myself. You pay attention so much that like you point out and not only point out, but like notice and love things about me that are just like naturally me. And that's a very deep thing I think that a lot of people long for I don't think there's anyone that would really like not like or like dislike or would reject that kind of um receiving of love absolutely you know compliments are something that it's one of the most common things but that's not the only thing because like yeah another good example is the beginning of my relationship was when um I was going through it in he made a point to notice that I was going through it and was the only person that noticed that I was going through it and then made a point every day to check in on me and tell me dad jokes and all these ridiculous things to make me laugh and like every time I would force myself to not laugh I'm like that's not funny that's stupid like I would like really try to reject it and he was like come on you know you want to laugh where's that smile I know and love like that is kind of a form of words of affirmation, even though it's not like, hey, you're really pretty. Hey, you're really smart. You know, oh, Absolutely. I love your outfit. It's not a traditional compliment, but it's something that made me feel seen and was something that he, it was very simple that he could do with his words that didn't take any time, energy, or effort away from it. Like, it was just a very simple thing that made me feel so loved and appreciated. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't even realize they want. Absolutely. I mean, it's something as simple as like, getting a good night text or a yeah. good morning text, like, those are parts of words of affirmation. Yeah. Reaching out, checking in. I, Asking how your day is going, being thoughtful, those kinds of things. Exactly. And Wanting I to know, caring definitely enough. think it's something that gets overlooked a lot mm-hmm. because we see words of affirmation so much as compliments. Yeah. And it really is just a combination of those little things, those little comments I can say, personally, as a words of affirmation person, it also makes me more susceptible to kind of criticism that because it means so much to me when my partner says either kind words or notices things and I receive love so much from that way that depending on how criticism is worded, can hit me a lot harder than I know it does other people. Mm-hmm. Like a very slight comment, or sometimes not so slight comments, will take me a lot longer to get over than people who do not have words of affirmation as a love language. And also, you can have kind of like a modge podge version of how you give and receive love. It doesn't have to be one thing or the other. Like, you can receive love in multiple languages, and you can give love in multiple languages, too. Because, like, I don't think any of the ways I give or receive love are the traditional, like, in-the-lines versions of the definitions. But you can mix and match the definitions and kind of mold them to your own and figure out which everyone, like feels like it fits the best with you because it doesn't necessarily have to be the cookie cutter definition and that's the thing like there's really nothing that's a blanket statement that just applies to everything and everyone so don't forget that um kind of like I said with words of affirmation you probably wouldn't have put 
what my ex used to do in the beginning of our relationship with the whole like telling jokes and noticing that I was upset and making an effort to make me smile in the words of affirmation category but it kind of is in the words of affirmation category so and a lot of things go in multiple categories Mm -hmm. it kind of depends on your personal view it's why I'm not giving any specific definitions Mm -hmm. for these because they are definitely open interpretation that's something that while one person would see it as words of affirmation, somebody else might see that as an act of service. Yeah, but to me, an act of service is something a little bit different, like doing something for, like physically doing something or like, I don't know, baking you cookies. I like to me, it's like <laughs> physically doing or holding the door open, whatever things like that, like mm-hmm. tiny things. But those are also still like the little things that you think about, and it's it's. Honestly, the bottom line for most love languages is the little things. It's it's noticing the little things, doing the little things, you know, those, like, things like that. If, whether it's noticing how you are and, like, the kind of snacks you like and then going mm-hmm. out of their way to pick up said snacks and bring them to you. You know, that's noticing the thing and then acting on it or, like, um... Something that my ex used to do is he really, like, noticed that I love Arizona tea. Like, I love Arizona tea. I'm I'm obsessed with it. And one of our good friends, too, is, she's super like this all the time, and I love that about her. Like, she just knows what we like, like, what our favorite snacks or favorite drinks, whatever, are. And she'll just, like, stop and grab them on the way over and be like, hey, surprise, I brought your favorite tea because, like, that's just how she gives love, and that is an awesome thing, Because, but not everyone receives it that way, not everyone gives it that way, and that's okay, but if you receive it that way, and you're not getting it that way, it's okay to tell your partner or your friends that you need that kind of love. Like, notice the little things, follow through on the plans, make the plans instead of, like, I just had a conversation with Ashley the other day about how it frustrates me sometimes that I'm the only one that ever makes the plans. Everyone's always like, oh my gosh, we have to do this thing, this would be so fun, blah, 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 but then nobody ever makes the effort to make the plans, and I'm always the planner one that wants to, like, that actually sets the, oh my gosh, this would be so cool, into motion and makes it a thing, but I, that can be really draining to be the only one that actually puts said things in motion and cares enough in like to me it feels like I'm the only one that cares enough to make actions out of like dreams I don't know (laughs) so that's a way that I receive love is when people do things or act on things and don't just like say it and like move on you know like forget about it because Yeah, so, but that's something that I have to voice to people, like, that's not, like, yes, that's how I receive it, and that's not how everyone gives it, and people don't even, like, my friends don't even know that I can get upset about something like that, or feel, like, neglected about something like that. I feel like I sound so needy, but it's, it's literally not. It's, you have to communicate how you receive love, because if you don't, then you're not going to feel fulfilled, because you can't, like, force yourself to receive love the way that somebody else gives it or because sometimes you might not even understand that they are giving you love because you don't understand like because you don't receive love the way that they give it and that's okay that's where communication comes in absolutely I mean you and I had a conversation and I texted and I was like well what can I do to step up like yeah for me I needed more specifics for the situation to know like how can I? Like, what would be a good thing for me to take over to be able to step up? Mm-hmm. Because, like, 
acts of service, the way that, like, I view it is kind of different, especially because, like, when it comes to planning and things like that, Mm -hmm. I have a hard time planning for other people Mm -hmm. because I get very anxious and wondering, well, is this the way they would want it done? Mm -hmm. Is this how, like, is this going to go well? Whatever everything goes wrong, my anxiety spikes. And so I have to check in and be like, okay, specifically, what can I do to step up? Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's what it takes when learning another person's love language is like, okay, for right now, I'm going to need specifics on what I can do to step up. And then as you learn to communicate in somebody else's love language, you're able to take over more freedom, more responsibility without having to ask a thousand questions. Mm-hmm. There's a learning curve to it. Absolutely. For another example, I'm going to refer to my last relationship a lot because that's just the freshest thing I feel like I can yeah. give an example. I, I explain things by giving examples, as I'm sure you figured out by now. What? <laughs> Shocked. But his love language was physical touch. He liked to be, like, huggy and cuddly and holding hands. Like, he just liked to be close and, like, feel warmth and... That's not at all how I gave or received love. Like, I didn't like being in other people's personal bubble. I didn't like having people in my own personal bubble. With most people, I still don't like being in anyone else's close, like, personal bubble. Like, seriously, you mind yours, I mind mine. I don't know why. I've just always kind of been like that. Even with my family, my family's not really, like, a huggy, lovey, touchy kind of family. So, I was always just kind of like... Uh, keep them to myself but that's something that I had to learn and had to become comfortable with to be able to have a healthy relationship because he needed that to feel loved and eventually I actually grew to love having that physical closeness with him but it was like a weird thing where it was like only with him that Mm -hmm. I felt comfortable having that physical closeness. No I'm definitely the same way with my family physical touch was never a a huge thing when I was like side hugs You know, we see each other and that kind of thing. But with my friends and in my relationships, it's not a primary love language for me. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely a secondary one. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of how I showed a different relationship from like, yes, there's my family and I show love to them and I I love them. But also like, you're my friend, you are people that I choose to have in my life. Mm -hmm. And for me, a way of showing that was physical touch. Hugs, just kind of being close to people, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And especially in my romantic relationships, yeah. that was a thing because it it showed even more, like, this distinction is a different between, yeah. relationship. Yeah. And I want to be able to show that distinction yeah. to No, absolutely. Like, I, I hug my friends all the time. I have no problem doing that. But it's, like Ashley said, not my first choice of or giving or receiving love from friends or even family like it's definitely the only (laughs) like it's only like a relationship thing for me I don't know it's not that I won't or can't hug people it doesn't make me uncomfortable it's just not my first thought um yeah to me it's like acts of service that's how I show my friends like I'm like hey you want to go do this thing or like I plan things to do with them or like reach out and ask how they're doing those kinds of things Mm -hmm. And, like, in a relationship, it's kind of, like, all the things. Like, 
asking how they're doing, the words of affirmation, the physical touch, like a combination of all the things kind of put together. So it's definitely like everyone has their own little mod podge and it applies differently to different relationships. So that's another thing to consider. It's not just like in romantic relationships and like it's not like a blanket thing for all the relationships period I show and receive love the same way you know so yeah absolutely for me words of affirmation is my blanket love language no matter the relationship that I have with people it is the way that I show love it is the way that I best receive love but with different relationships, I also require other versions of love languages. So for me, like after words of affirmation in romantic relationships, physical touches, definitely one. And I mean, I would consider it acts of service. Um, Everybody's definition is different. I've found, especially with acts of service, for me, acts of service is noticing that they are having a really hard day and checking in, maybe setting up a, a FaceTime date or something like that, you know, taking over, uh, went and ran errands, you know, so that way that was one less thing on their to-do list. That kind of stuff is my version of acts of service because to me, it's is very specific, and it's taking something off of their plate. There was this one day um, in the spring when I was really going through it, and I was literally crying in, I think, the public's parking lot. <laughs> I think it was, like, the eighth time I'd cried that day, and Ashley literally checked my location and showed up at the parking lot, knocks on my car window. I'm like, who the fuck is knocking on my window? I'm sobbing right now, and it's Ashley. And she's like, Hi! I knew you were crying, so I came. I was like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> but I honestly appreciated that because then, like, that cheered me up enough to go in the store. <laughs> <laughs> and then she didn't have to go in the store alone. Like, yeah. it's, for me, that is uh, what I would consider an act of service. Uh, to somebody else, that might be considered quality time. So acts of service, when we're talking about it, it's, once again, in all love languages, we're really honing in on, like, the little things that you do mm-hmm. that have a big impact. Mm-hmm. So with acts of service, it's anything that you are going out of your way to do for the other person, which is why it very often gets brought in with quality time or brought in with gifts. Mm-hmm. And it's once again, why I'm not going through and reading any specific definitions of these because they're so subjective. For those of you who have been following along and like journaling with us while we do our podcast, a good prompt for you would be just sit down and think about and write out all the times that you have felt the most loved and when you have felt like you've been giving love or what you do when you feel like you need to care for someone or when you love someone. Write those things down and process them because sometimes we don't even really think about it. You know, that's not really something that I thought about until it came to a point where I had to think about how I give and receive love because there was a time where it was like, I'm not really feeling loved or fulfilled by said relationship, friendship, whatever. And so I had to think about why was that? Like, why was I not feeling loved? Is it because they aren't doing anything because they don't love me? Or is it because they're showing me in a way that I am not receiving it? So 
I had to sit down and think about it. So sit down, think about it, take a second to just kind of evaluate, you know, when was a time that you felt the most loved and why? What was it that made you feel the most loved? Absolutely. There is a wonderful website. It's literally called fivelovelanguages.com. And that's where I took my love language test. But I got my results and then did the same thing where I wrote down the times that made me feel most loved because I wanted to see, well, yes, I understand words of affirmation is my love language, but what specifically? Was it the compliments? Was it the you look pretty, like the very blatant compliments? Or Mm -hmm. was it more the little things that people said? Right. Yeah, there was a whole come to Jesus breakdown conversation we had the other night <laughs> where I was talking about that and, and I it kind of finally clicked with me what it was about the beginning of my relationship when it was constantly like making me laugh and all those things. Was it the jokes? Was it the, the efforts to make me smile? Like what was it that made me feel loved about that? Because there's multiple things that were kind of playing into it and ultimately I came to the like conclusion that it wasn't necessarily the jokes or the efforts to make me smile it was the noticing me and noticing that I was not feeling well noticing something was off it was the the notice being seen exactly and not only being seen but being seen and then doing something about it Mm -hmm. like acting on it instead of just thinking like oh like oh I'm sorry are you okay like and kind of asking almost out of obligation because I think we've all done that at least once where it's like you see someone that's upset and you're like, oh, like, are you okay? But it's, like, kind of awkward because maybe you're not really friends or maybe whatever, and it's, like, you're asking to ask, or how's your day? Oh, I'm doing great when you're not really doing great. We've all been there. We've all done that. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to when yourself. When they ask you how you're doing and you just have to say you're fine even though you aren't fine. Or when Y'all, they ask you how enough. you're doing and then you start crying. Yeah, no. I will always be honest, honestly, because, like, Don't ask me how I'm doing if you don't really want to know. I hate when people do that. That's something that, there's one specific person who used to do that all the time. They're like, oh, honey, how are you? And then when I would actually tell her, she was like, oh. Like, she didn't really want to know. I'm like, why did you ask me then? Like, don't ask me to be polite. Seriously. You you have wasted both of our time and energy. Thank you so much. Seriously. Don't don't ask a a question that you don't want to know the answer to. And don't start a conversation that that you do not want to participate in. Period. (laughs) Absolutely agreed. So, would you say that for you that was acts of service? That's how you would have defined that? The being seen and doing something about it? Somewhat, yeah. I think uh, between acts of service and words of affirmation, it was like a little bit of both. Yeah. So another one of the five is quality time. I like that one too. Y'all, I struggle with it. I'm not gonna lie. I like that one too, honestly. Like that one is probably my most blanket love language. I like spending quality time with whoever it is, my family, my friends, relationship, romantic relationships. Like, I think as far as blanket languages go, that would probably be my closest one. Yeah. I understand. So for me, it took me a long time to learn how to communicate in quality time. Because with friendships, quality time was a very easy thing for me because I could just exist around my friends no matter what we were doing. Like, 
it, it did not matter to me that I, I always considered that quality time. In a relationship aspect, I really struggled with quality time because if we weren't doing anything, if we were just kind of sitting and existing together, it didn't feel right to me. I felt like there was something missing, more should have been happening. Mm -hmm. Like, that wasn't a way for me to express or receive love for a long time because, like I said, it just felt like there was something missing. Mm -hmm. And I felt the same way around my family, Mm -hmm. where if we weren't actively doing something together, then it didn't feel like quality time together. It felt like there always had to be something happening. And in order to learn how to give and receive love through somebody who communicates in quality time was actually reevaluating my understanding of what quality time was. Because... That's really interesting, honestly. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's really interesting, because to me, quality time was always the easiest, like... It was always the easiest because I also grew up with a single mom and, like, a little sister. And it was just the three of us. So, we very much had a Gilmore Girl dynamic. Like, my mom was very much, like, my friend and very much, like, the friend of most of my friends. Mm -hmm. And everyone was always very comfortable around her. Everyone calls her Mama Sabra. Like, it's, you know. And so, I've always, we've always just kind of existed in the same space. And that, and, like, that was fine. That was quality time. We never had to be doing something for it to feel like, you know, we're doing something. Or, like, every summer when I go to visit my family up in the Midwest, we didn't really have, we had some things planned, but for the most part, like, for the whole month that I was there, we didn't have more than four or five things planned. And we would just kind of exist in the same house, and that was fine. And so that was always something that was natural to me because it's something I always did. And same with friends, like, kind of just like existing in the same place or in a like I was in a long distance relationship so for us that's the only option we had was to like for the last year of the relationship the first two years we were pretty much or I guess the first year and a half we were pretty much always in person together doing things we didn't really just exist in the same space but once we became long distance we had no option but to exist in the same space. And that was a really hard transition for him, I think, with him being a more in-person person. Physical And, like, a doing... Yeah, exactly. Someone whose love language was physical touch. Long distance was hard. Mm-hmm. But it's possible still. You know, it's still something that is you can do if you really want to. And especially for those of you who are in long-distance relationships, you know what I'm talking about. Like that's literally the only option you have. Like, you sit on FaceTime and maybe watch movies together on FaceTime or do Love Wicks. Shout out to Love Wick. I love that Oh my app. gosh, I love that app. That is, like, honestly the best thing that ever happened to my relationship in the last, I don't know, year of it because it was a great way to, when we were just existing in one moment and just kind of spending, it made quality time better. Yes. Because it enhanced conversation in said just quality time. We're just hanging Mm -hmm. out. And so for all of you in a relationship or even specifically long distance relationship, I highly recommend trying out Lovewick. And we are going to have the creator of Lovewick um, on an episode in a couple weeks here. Her name is Allie and she is literally the smartest and sweetest person ever. She is so knowledgeable about relationships and love languages specifically and how to keep it healthy and alive. And I love her. She's great. <laughs> 
I will definitely say for quality time, Lovewick is definitely something that helped me with quality time because it made existing better because like we could start off by having one of like the deep conversations mm-hmm. and then just settle they into all, yeah that's the thing about love wake is like you start with a prompt and it'll kind of get going and then it starts a conversation that spirals into like something else and keeps kind of going and going and going until it snowballs and you're two hours deep in the deepest conversation or just like maybe not even a deep conversation but just a conversation that's really interesting so that's why I just love love wick (laughs) absolutely we have had like several deep conversations but there's also been a couple where just did like one or two questions talked for like 30 minutes and then settled into like a very comfortable peaceful place just with each other yeah which is something that like I wasn't used to took me a long time like I said to get used to and understanding the appeal of quality time. Yeah. Because I grew up in a busy household. We had six people in one roof. Everybody had different activities. We were constantly doing something. Yeah. If we were spending time as a family, it's because we were going to somebody's soccer game or somebody's baseball game or we were going to a tennis match or my siblings and I were going out to eat together or we were going to the lake to have the rest of my family there. Yeah. In which case, we got up every morning. We were outside the rest of the day, came home, ate dinner, watched a movie together, and went to bed. Like, there was constantly something happening. Yeah. And to me, that was, that's what quality time meant, was doing something together. Which is, this is a really good example of how, like, we have very different upbringings and different outlooks on the same thing. Because for me, like, for her, you know, she said, her family was always doing something. Their quality time was always doing something because there was always so many people, so the, their lives were always, like, moving, going, like, things were happening. I grew up with a single working mom who was always working, and so I was taking care of my little sister, or I was hanging out with Ashley and her family, or, you know, whatever. Like, or we were just quiet, or my mom gets home from work, and we just want to relax because, like, she's been working all day. So for us, we weren't really doing things like that. Like, When we were doing things, it was for an occasion. It was on a weekend. It was, you know, it wasn't like a daily occurrence that we're constantly moving and doing things. (laughs) Like, we, and we're also artists, so we're very, like, go with the flow, easy people that just kind of exist. We do our art. We're kind of quiet. That, Like, you know, (laughs) that was always our, like, we would sit in the same room and knit together. Not kidding. Or, like, sit in the same room and all be painting together, you know, but, like, doing our own thing, but together. That was our quality time. Mm. So that's why I'm so okay and so, like, good with just existing in the same space and that being quality time versus Ashley having to learn to be okay with just existing in the same place as quality time. Absolutely. And I'll say it, I think part of the reason that it took me so long is it was never communicated to me that that's what the other person was looking for Mm -hmm. was that quality time. And even though we were doing something that they would have considered quality time, because I didn't consider it that I know I was not putting off the energy or really reacting to it the way that they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And they, they just weren't quite able to communicate that with me. Yeah. Um, and after we finish going through the rest of love languages, we'll really talk about how to communicate about your love language, not just in your love language. Yes. Um, so let's <laughs> take a second to talk about gifts as a love language. Like receiving 
gifts or giving gifts? Yes. Yeah. So, a lot of people will put gifts either into their own category or receiving gifts as a category and then giving gifts as part of acts of service. Personally, I consider giving and receiving gifts its own love language because, to me, acts of service is not anything tangible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I get very uncomfortable when people give me gifts outside of, like, Christmas. Me too. Like, ma- Even mm- with that, I get uncomfortable. Yeah, and it really depends on who it is around, like, Christmas. My birthday, like, gifts still definitely make yeah. me uncomfortable. Me too. And... <laughs> One of our friends, that is their love language. Yeah, that's what she does. It's it's what she does. Like it is very what we persistent. Said earlier, like she just knows what we like and what we do and like our favorite snacks and things, and she'll just show up with them because mm-hmm. she knows that we like them. Yeah. So that's just what she does. It's how she is, and it's it's awesome, and that's how she gives love. But that's something that Ashley and I have had to get used to and be like okay with her just like, giving us stuff. Yeah, and we had to, like, sit down and have a conversation, though, because, like, she and I met at work together, and so, like, one of the things that, like, we kind of agreed to was, like, if she wanted to give a gift, it had to be something she found at, like, the bottom of a pool. Like, nothing she spent (laughs) money on at first. For context, they're lifeguards. Oh, yeah, for context, uh, we worked at a water park, we are lifeguards, so, um, that's what, like, that was kind of my rule about it because she had, like, bought me a gift at one point and I, y'all, I did not know how to react and I feel horrible every time that I say it, but, like, I kind of shut down because I felt really guilty mm-hmm. because it is not a way that I have really ever received love. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so it, it held a lot of strange feelings and guilt with it and so... I just sit down and be like, okay, just, you know, I understand that this is your way of showing love. As you can see, it makes me very uncomfortable. So a boundary that needs to be set is like, for now, do not spend money on it. Mm-hmm. Like, if it is something you find at the bottom of a pool and you think I would like it and you want to give it to me, absolutely, that means so much to me and I really appreciate it. If it is something you are spending money on, like, I'm going to feel guilty. That's going to be my immediate reaction. And it's not going to really come off as, like, you showing love as much as it is just going to make me uncomfortable. Right. For me, like, my dad was very much, that was his love language, was giving and receiving gifts. And that was blanket across the board, probably the only one he had. And... (laughs) He was what we call the Disney dad, where he was constantly buying us crap. And it's it's definitely, for anyone who is a divorce kid, you might understand this, because it's a very, very common thing in divorce dynamics, where one of the parents is kind of like a Disney parent or a Disney dad, where they're constantly taking you to do extravagant things or buying you cool things. And, like, my dad bought me a go-kart. What? And, like, a four-wheeler, and and I had, like, an iPhone when I was a kid. Like, I always had all this cool stuff because my dad was a Disney dad. And to him, it was very, like, impressive, cool, whatever, that he could buy me all these things. But for me, I always wanted quality time. I never received the love as the gifts, even though that's how he was giving it. 
I always received love as quality time and I was never getting that. So that became very problematic because that's not something that you normally can communicate with your parent, especially as a 10 year old. How do you even like recognize this is how I receive and give love? Like what? No. And I think a lot of people have a lot of childhood, um, what, what word am I looking for here? (laughs) They have a lot of childhood, Trauma is the only word coming to my head right now. It's not necessarily trauma, but miscommunication, maybe, or, or, um, personality traits that come from lacks of different kinds of love in your childhood. Typically, people's love language comes from what they didn't receive as a child or what they wanted to receive most as a child. So, that's another thing. Like, I don't like getting gifts because that's the only way my dad, like, showed me love. But the only thing I wanted was quality time. And that's something that I didn't get as much as I needed from either of my parents because I had divorced parents and both of them were single working parents. So, they were always working and barely had the time to sit down and have true quality time. So, that's why for me my blanket love language is quality time because that's the thing that I always longed for as a kid and like I mean no hard feelings to my parents all good like completely understandable why they couldn't give me that quality time that I needed as a child it makes complete sense but that's just kind of where mine comes from so that's another thing that you can probably think about is like the is the love language that you crave now something that you have always gotten or is it something that you maybe wanted or craved and didn't get when you were a kid or the one thing that you didn't get when you were a kid because people always want what they don't have absolutely I'll say um for I know many people they said that the way that they show love is the way that they craved as a kid but the way they received love was still like before doing the self-work and putting in what you should before heading into a serious relationship Mm -hmm. they would keep trying to receive love the way they were raised to Mm -hmm. but it still wasn't satisfying them and I know that's the case that it was for me with words of affirmation, I, you know, absolutely no hate to my parents, they were amazing. Words of affirmation were not often given, like, you earned them. Like, they tell you they were proud of you and, like, you did something right, but it was not, like, super freely given. Some people that I know who's literally, their parents are constantly like, oh, I love you so much, like, you're the best thing ever, like, oh, squishy cheeks, like, like, you know. Absolutely. My mom. I know a lot of people like that. My mom is physical touch for sure. And my dad is quality time, but in that sense of like sitting and existing together. Mm -hmm. But growing up, we didn't have the luxury of sitting and existing together. If we wanted to spend time together, we had to go out and do something. So we went camping every year or he would be the one to coach my soccer team. Like that was his way of spending quality time with me. But once again, that really reiterated in myself that quality time meant doing something. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the way that you are attempting to give and receive love, if you're not feeling completely satisfied by that, rework it. 
go back through. Yeah. See if maybe there really is something missing that you feel that you need to receive love multiple ways. Right. And sometimes, like, like, like I said before, you have to accommodate how your partner or your friends receive love versus how you give it because it's not always going to match up, you know? Like, like I said before, my ex was very, his love language was physical touch and I honestly hated physical touch. Absolutely hated it. Was never, that was not my first choice ever for anything and I grew to love it through being in that relationship because I knew that that's a compromise I had to make so that he could feel loved and seen in the relationship because otherwise it would be one-sided and it wouldn't be fair of me to just be like no sorry not even gonna make the effort to like love you the way that I know you receive love because that's not how I give it like that's no that's unhealthy absolutely and I think that's a great lead-in to We are all capable of learning to show love through other people's love languages. Yes, it may not be your go-to. There's gonna be some trial and error. Exactly, and there is nothing wrong with continuing to show love in the way that you do. But you, like we've said, since everything meshes and can be defined multiple ways, there are ways that you can show love in a way that maybe is gifts to you and words of affirmation to somebody else. Uh, somebody that I'm seeing wrote me, like, a list of reasons why they like me, which to me was words of affirmation. And, like, since it was something they, like, physically wrote out and gave to me, that was a gift to them. Mm-hmm. And that meant the world to me because it showed that they were attempting to show love in the way that I receive it best. CC from um, the podcast What in the Dang Heck with Megan Wells is she had a really, really great example of um, giving love like that where her now fiance actually wrote her letters every week the entire time that they were dating. Like from the first week that they started dating and even to now, he still writes her a weekly letter even if he sees her every day during the week or sees her once or twice during the week, he still is writing her letters and like she keeps keeps them in this fancy little box that he had made for the letters and that's a really awesome personal way to connect with people and honestly writing letters is so awesome because my ex is in the military we wrote each other a lot of letters like I mean I have a fat stack of letters and so does he like but it was such an awesome and personal thing, especially in a time where everything is technology and people don't really think about that kind of stuff. Like, getting a handwritten thank you note or getting a handwritten letter or something like that just feels so personal. Like, wow, they took the time to sit down and write this. It's not just like sending a text message that takes two seconds. Writing a letter doesn't take much longer, but it still feels more personal. It feels more connected and like there was more effort that went into it and that shows that you care in a way. Like I don't know anyone that doesn't like receiving mail, right? Like you love receiving thank you cards or birthday cards or whatever because it's like, oh, they thought of me. Like they made the effort to go get this piece of paper and write on it, which feels very bare minimum when you say it like that. But it's a lot less bare minimum than sending a text message. So 
that's another kind of interesting way that could be kind of like giving gifts. It could be kind of words of affirmation, could be acts of service. It's kind of a mod podge of all of them in a different way, but it's such a simple and kind thing that you can do for somebody that you love to show them that you really care. And like that constant like effort where Cece's fiance was writing her a letter every single week, that consistency, that shows real pursuit. That is like how an adult, uh, like the way she explained it is between the difference between a man and a boy because a man he's writing her letters every week and making an effort to show her that she matters and that he's interested in her versus a boy who keeps up a snapchat streak or texts you every now and then like it's a letter when it's an apology letter yeah like when they need to go the extra mile yeah only when they need to go the extra mile because they know they fucked up like there's a difference and that's something that you should just take into consideration in your relationships and while you're dating and so on because we are not settling for less ladies and gentlemen nobody I don't care who you are don't settle for less if he or she is not making you feel like the king or queen that you are then it's not it like if they can't make the effort to learn your love language, then maybe they're not the right one because if they cared enough about you and they really were into you the way that you're into them or the way that they should be for it to be a relationship, there would be no question. Like the example I gave before, I hated physical touch. If you came into my bubble, I cringed. But then being in that relationship and knowing that his love language was physical touch... I cared about him a lot and I wanted him to feel loved just the same way that I knew he was making me feel loved. So I made the effort to go out of my way and learn his love language and be okay with it and not only be okay with it, but fall in love with that love language too Mm -hmm. because I cared about him. So if they wanted to, they would. Now there is some responsibility that you have to take from your end. Absolutely. If you are a person who knows your love language, it is important to communicate that with your partner. Now, physical touch, in my opinion, is an easier one to pick up on that somebody else sees as a love language than acts of service or quality time. But it's also, like, a touchy one. Like, if Don't just go around grabbing people because (laughs) some people don't want you to be in their bubble. So, you know, feel it out. And, and like, that's a good thing that my ex always did. He didn't just jump right into, like, being huggy and stuff. He understood that I wasn't the type to like being touched and was really patient with me while I was learning and growing into being okay with that love language. Absolutely. I mean, would you agree that like, though, it was easier to pick up on the fact that physical touch was his love language? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that one and acts of service or giving gifts, whichever one I'm going to continue to call it giving gifts, giving gifts is a love language is a little more obvious than words of affirmation or quality time. Well, I don't think words of affirmation is is a non-obvious one, though, because, like, I mean, I know a lot of people who just very obviously just give compliments or give, um, 
com- not compliments, what am I looking for? Encouragement, you mm-hmm. know, just like right off the bat. Like I had a boss that was really awesome, love him, still work with him sometime today. And like he, from the very beginning, was very encouraging, no matter what it was, the smallest accomplishments. And he'd be like, Mina, that's so awesome. I'm so proud of you. Like you're doing so great. I love watching you grow. Like, you know, so then like I honestly loved when he did that because it encouraged me to want to try harder and work harder and so on. But that was a very obvious thing that he did straight from the bat. Absolutely. And the reason I say, at least for me, that words of affirmation can be difficult is the major way that I show love in words of affirmation, along with, you know, telling people that I love them, saying that I'm proud of them, typically encouragement, is I ask, part of my French, a shit ton of questions, which has been an issue in past relationships because I didn't know at the time that that was my way of showing words of affirmation, but by asking all of those questions was me showing that I was invested, that I cared, and that was my way of showing love, which some people would call an act of service, which is why I say those are a little bit harder to define. So if you know that that is your love language and you know the specifics about it, it is very important to communicate that with your partner and say, hey, when you do this, that really shows me that you love. And it's amazing if you can tell them in the moment. Like, one of my friends called me this morning and I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off (laughs) and I was planning her bachelorette trip and she just called and she goes, I just want to thank you. I know that like rescheduling it and everything has been hectic on you and I just want to thank you. Like you took so much off my plate for being there and I want you to know that I appreciate you. And I told her whether I was like, honestly, I needed this so much right now. I feel so loved. Thank you. Because if you can say those things in the moment and notice them, it also shows the other person that like, oh, I'm doing something right. Oh, I'm showing this person that I love them in the way that they should love. Because she's a person who she's an active service person. Like compliments are not her strong suit. We shoot this shit all the time. And so she usually does acts of service, but she went out of her way to communicate in my love language for this very specific circumstance, which is, I mean, beyond measure. Like, I I can't thank her enough for that. Right. And it's another thing to even, you become even more appreciative when you, when people give you the love that they necessarily don't give normally, you know, like it meant a lot to Ashley when her friend called and and gave her the love the way that she receives it in knowing that her friend doesn't normally give love that way. She knows that her friend went the extra mile to do something that was out of her comfort zone or not natural to her means even more. So it can mean even more to your partner to when you go and do something for them, that's how they receive it, even if that's not how you give it. Because if, especially if they know that that's not how you naturally give it, it's going to be mean 10 times more to them knowing that you cared enough to take that extra step and do that thing so that they felt loved. So it's like bonus points. <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing I definitely want to cover in talking about communicating your love language is the way that you communicate it is very important. Because talking about when you do this, I feel extremely loved is so much better than you know my love language is words of affirmation. Why haven't you yes. complimented me? How you communicate is very important. So... Um, an amazing website that I have 
uh, LinkedIn, my bio on Instagram is uh, loveisrespect.org. They talk a lot about the five love languages if you want to read more about it. Um, But the way that they describe it is when using the love languages framework, it is important to maintain healthy boundaries between you and your partner. It is not okay to use the idea of love languages as an attempt to control your partner's behavior. And consent is an important part of a healthy relationship. And telling your partner, if you loved me, you would dot 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 is never acceptable. That is a direct quote from their website that I could not have worded better myself. Mm-hmm. Because it is so easy when you feel like you're not receiving love the way you want to from that person to be like, man, they don't really love me. Yeah. Like, if you really love me, then you would do this. Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because they can be loving you to the best of their ability in their love language. Yeah. Like I said, it takes time to learn a new it love does. language. It does. But don't neglect the if they wanted to, they would. They because would start making Exactly. The that's, that's, don't group those things together. There's a very fine line between, um, well, they don't love me because blah, 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 and they're not doing their thing. If they want to they, and they care, they will at least try or hear you out when you ask to be loved a different way. And sometimes that even takes time for them to be open-minded to that because sometimes people are just very set in their ways and very close-minded and very, like, almost sheltered. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just people have a hard time branching outside of what they know and in their comfort zone. So when you ask them to love you differently than how they know how to or to even understand what love languages are, then there might be a little bit of pushback. Don't get discouraged because the thing is the difference between the, our relationships in, genera- in our generation and our grandparents and why their relationships lasted from 17 to death literally like for like till death do us part they took those vows seriously the reason that i think there's a big difference between our generation and theirs is because they built relationships to weather every storm they truly did like our generation is is all about the quick fix i talked about this in the last episode we're very fixed on you know like if if our text messages don't send immediately we get upset if we open instagram and it doesn't automatically like load we kind of get upset all those kinds of things it's it's all very instant it has to happen immediately and if it doesn't then we get kind of frustrated or maybe a little stir crazy and you know everything in our generation is about fast fast food fast internet 5g service all the all the things you know quick solutions getting through school as fast as we can taking a test as fast as we can all the things have to be quickly and get it over with but we just don't take a second to stop and smell the roses and our grandparents generation like my grandmother and I had a really good conversation about this she said that the reason their relationships last because my grandparents have been together since they were 17 and now they're in their mid-70s and so how did they make that relationship last so long whereas in our generation the divorce rate is like ridiculously high what is it like one in four marriages end up in divorce I have the statistic somewhere. It's something Sorry, like I'm, that. <laughs> I'm doing my John stretches. Uh, <laughs> John um, stretches. If you know, you know. Um, but 
we have a much, 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 much higher divorce rate in our generation because in their generation, they didn't give up on relationships when there was a problem or when there was a conflict or when there was, like, you know, a disagreement. They built their relationships to weather every storm. They built their relationships to last, and they stuck it out. They they stayed through the hard times, and it's so hard to find people like that now. And well, I, that's we so also, we have struggles that our grandparents couldn't have fathomed existed. That's like, true. That's true. Having issues due to social, social media. media. Y'all. Oh, boy. That is, I was having a conversation with my grandmother about it because she was telling me about how one of her friends, their granddaughter, was really struggling with their boyfriend because they you know, were spending time together, but it never felt like quality time. My grandmother's a psychologist, so we talk about Mine too. in terms of love language We psychoanalyze everything. And she was like, I just don't get it. Like, they're going out and doing all these things. Like, how is that not quality time? And I was like, well, how much of that is he looking at his phone screen or she's looking at their phone screen? Mm-hmm. And they're sitting next to each other staring at their phones. Yeah. The entire time. And they haven't spoken a word. Which is fine at times, but, like, if every time you're together, you're only on your phones, that takes away from There's also the a lot more problems with, like, temptation and so on with Absolutely. social media and the internet nowadays, which is, like, rough because you would think if you are content in your relationship, then the temptation of other people online or whatever, having that easy access to people wouldn't matter. Because I know that was something for me didn't ever matter. It doesn't matter how many people were in my DMs or, you know, how many people were Snapchatting me, swiping up on my Snapchat. I didn't care. That's not something that I that was ever okay. Like, I never even engaged in that because I, would, I didn't even think twice to engage in that because I cared so much about my relationship. But... I know a lot of people who struggle with that and still fall, like, fall through with the temptation and still have a problem, um, not taking part in said temptation, and there can be a lot of different reasons for that, but it's a very, I don't know, rough topic, I think, because I don't think that everybody who partakes in online temptation is necessarily doing it from a devious standpoint Mm -hmm. but I think that there definitely are people who are and that's a a personal evaluation that you have to make about your own situation um because for some people it's it's about um a lack of emotional gain like if they're not receiving love the way that they need to be receiving it they may feel like they need to look for it somewhere else and not even know that they need to be asking their partner for a different kind of love because people are just so not psychologically literate and they don't really a lot of I the majority of people I know honestly don't know anything about love languages Mm -hmm. they don't know what their love language is they don't know like what their partner's love language is. I don't know that it's even a thing that they give and receive it differently. They don't know those things. And that can cause a lot of lack in your relationship because if you're not 
on somewhat of the same page or somewhat, if you're not communicating how you give and receive love, then you're not going to feel loved if you're giving it and receiving it in different ways. And then you're going to start looking or naturally be open to receiving love from different areas because we're always longing for that love and acceptance. So if you're not receiving it the way that you need to, then you're going to be more susceptible to when it comes from someone else outside of your relationship. And that's not a good thing. I think people are more susceptible to temptation when they're not receiving the love the way that they need to in their relationship. But you have to take the responsibility of communicating how you receive love. So, don't get me wrong. Cheating is wrong, period. Correct. I don't care what the situation is. Cheating is wrong. If you're unhappy in your relationship, say something about it. Tell the person, tell them something needs to change, or leave if there's, like, nothing, if there's just really, if it just is too far gone. Yeah. Just leave. Don't cheat. It's just, no. No. Absolutely. And I'll say, uh, along with the temptation, I had a lot of issues in my relationship, not necessarily, like, the relationship as a whole, but personally, because of social media, seeing couples who were so happy, so long-lasting, you know, going through all this, and I was like, well, you know, they're in a similar situation, but, like, they're doing great, like, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Like, where, where is everything going wrong? Why is it like this? And there was a lot of comparison there, being like, well, I want this, and then also the sort of I am not a person who posts on social media really ever. Mm-hmm. Um, ever. Which is why I'm sure a lot of y'all get the notifications when I post on my story. Um, not because you turn them on, but because it always shows up as Ashby Wills hasn't o- posted in a while. Check yeah. out their story. But that was something that was semi important to my, my ex. Marketing like, tactic. <laughs> yes, very, like a very specific situation. And it was hard for me to understand, like, why that was important to them because they'd make a comment and be like, well, why haven't you posted anything about us? And I'm like, well, I haven't posted in eight months. Mm-hmm. Like, just why would I? Yeah, you're so just it's not, not person. it's not something that I ever thought of and we never found the right way to communicate about our love languages that I could come to understand why that was important to them. Right. And for me, it was almost the exact opposite. Like I'm somebody who posts a lot of my story. I post a lot about whatever. And my ex was somebody who didn't really post at all ever. And when he did, it was a special occasion. And when he did, he went the extra mile, which was fine. But it's like, he'd do a mass post like I did. It would yeah. be like, look at what happened over the last month. Basically <laughs> six months. So on or happy anniversary. Haven't posted since the last one, <laughs> exactly. you know, like those kinds of things. And I had to learn to be okay with that because to me, it almost felt like, like, I know you guys have seen that, that trend where they're like, um, I was scrolling through your IG while we ain't got no pics. That, you know, that song. And, like, they kind of scroll through their boyfriend's Instagram and they're like, um, why don't you post anything about me? You hiding me? What's up? Like, try to keep me from your side hose? Like, that's, like, the vibe that that 
kind of gives for a lot of people and it's an anxiety point almost and that's something that if you're not secure in your relationship it's going to bother you if you have anxiety or trust issues in your relationship then your partner not posting about you is going to bother you because it almost feels like they're hiding you like why won't like why is it a problem but some people just aren't that way and that's something that I had to learn and something that Ashley's ex didn't necessarily learn but that's okay that's that's okay I mean everyone receives and gives loves differently it's about making the effort to try to you know accommodate them and and then another thing with technology that was um interesting for my long distance relationship was it was a good thing and a bad thing at the same time because I like Ashley said she would scroll through Instagram and see all these happy couples for me it was similar but a little bit different where it's like I haven't seen my significant other in over a year and I keep seeing all these people post, oh, I went on vacation with my boyfriend. Oh, my boyfriend came to family Thanksgiving. Oh, my boyfriend came to this. Oh, my girlfriend went to, you know, and they were doing all these fun things together and holidays and and occasions and birthdays and anniversaries and like my ex and I never spent a single anniversary together in three years because of the military and that is ass, but it's just something that we had to deal with. It's just a struggle that we chose to be okay with and to live with and so on. And while it was really a pain in the ass to kind of see those things and a little bit painful to be like, man, like, kind of wish that I got to do couples Halloween costumes with my boyfriend or got to spend Thanksgiving or Christmas with my boyfriend or my freaking anniversary with my boyfriend. But no, can't do that because we're in a long distance relationship which kind of freaking sucked, but also technology made it infinitely easier for us to communicate because a military relationship in our grandparents' time, bro, you got married. You had, you no, know, you got married. But even then, when they would, like, get deployed, you would just not see them, and you would maybe get letters. Like, that's just what it was, and they were just okay with that and understand it was 10 times harder for them than it is now and it's hard for us now but we don't even fathom what it was like for them because like what I couldn't I could not imagine going through a long distance relationship without FaceTime I don't think I would have been able to do it it's like it especially during boot camp where there was zero communication whatsoever none at all besides letters every now and then that was literally the most like mind-blowing thing to me because it was like I didn't really get to hear anything from him except for maybe one or two letters a week and that's if he had the time and I was constantly sending him letters and it felt like I was having all these one-sided conversations and going through the days not getting to talk to him at all it was like there was never any reassurance of love there was never any reassurance of oh you're in a relationship by the way it was just like he fell off the face of the planet like he didn't even exist anymore and I was just like oh did did I hallucinate this man so much for giving and receiving love like there's just nothing it was just radio silence almost so there's all kinds of different situations that you have to deal with but the difference between our generations and our grandmothers is they weathered the storms they stuck around through the hard times and they made it work and they you know communicated at the very least and to the best of their ability right to the best of their ability and our generation just doesn't because we're constantly looking for the quick fix yeah i'll say this i don't think i would be able to survive a relationship in our grandparents time Y'all know that I am an anxious person. 
who gets yeah, left Yeah, but I think you would paused. also be built differently. Well, I mean, potentially. You know my family history. <laughs> um, but I'm an anxious person who has words of affirmation as my love language. So, like, if a word is written, like, off... I need that, like, almost immediate confirmation, and this is something that I'm, like, working on, but in my past relationship, I needed almost instant confirmation to be like, you're not mad at me, right? Like, if it said love you instead of I love you, I was like, he's mad. I hate that. Like, he, I was I like, he's pissed the, like, off, I like, love this you is versus horrible. love you thing. I don't know why that bothers me so much, and it used to bother my ex a lot that I yeah. had an issue with it. Because, like, him and his family were very just, like, love you, and it meant the same thing. But to me, love you and I love you were very different. Kind of, like, miss you and I miss you. I don't know. Miss you just felt, like, miss you, whatever. But, like, I miss you felt more personal and felt Mm -hmm. more genuine. Same thing with love you and I love you. Like, love ya, you know. It's, like, what you say jokingly to, like, someone you kind of like. Like, love ya. (laughs) Okay, see you next time. Or, like, after we make a shady comment, be like, love you, mean it. Yeah, love you, I mean it. But, like, I love you sounds different, you know? Like, yeah. saying that to someone or having someone say to you, I love you, just feels different. It feels like it resonates more. Absolutely. And that's another thing where we had to communicate and understand that that didn't mean something different. Exactly. And it takes a lot more understanding and patience when you can't get that immediate gratification of like pick up the phone and be like I need you to tell me right here right now that you're not pissed off at me like yeah but the generation we live in it's everything is instant everything has to happen like instant coffee instant pizza instant text message everything is instant everything happens so fast like we literally have removed the process of doing things which kind of irritates me like I think that's why things are so less quality now like furniture in our grandparents' oh. age, was built to last. Furniture now falls apart in a year. Half the furniture... Mm, one, two, three... All, everything in my room, like, all of my furniture, everything in my house is antiques. Like, they're all old wood, hand-carved, like, truly antiques, and they are built to freaking last. And they have lasted longer and looked better than every single piece of Ikea furniture or or home goods or whatever newer plastic crap that they build now that's just instant and fast and, like, and it's more expensive. What the hell is that? I don't know. Eight pieces of the furniture in my room are literally from my grandparents' house. (laughs) The one thing that isn't is the trunk that sits under my window, and that is the sixth trunk that I've owned. Owned. Yeah, Mm -hmm. owned is where I'm going for. And when I tell you, I went to and worked at a camp, and you basically had to have a trunk, because it was a two-week overnight camp, made your life a lot easier if you had one big trunk. And we just had to buy, like, a new one every single year. Because they're new and they're made like crap. Yeah, until, like, we went back. We went to the place where my brothers and my mother had gotten their trunk growing up. And it was still the same man who owned the place. And he was like, yeah, I make these by hand. Y'all, I have owned that trunk, stood on it, used it, moved it six times. And it is still in perfect condition, minus the handles. Which was my fault, because I dropped it. Nice. But yeah, like, 
everything nowadays is cheap, it's quick, it's like fast food. Fast food is terrible for you. It's disgusting, and I refuse to eat fast food. Like, it's, it's, the quality is ten times less, and that goes for everything that we do quickly. Like, nothing good happens fast. Oh. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> oh, no. Um, whew, sorry about that, y'all. Um, but basically what we're getting at is after you are able to notice what your love language is, communicate that with your partner. Hey, when I'm doing this, this is the way that I know to show you love. If this is not the best thing for you, please let me know. Or this is how I receive love. It's wonderful when you do this. That is, like, one thing that you do that, like, I know I'm receiving Mm -hmm. it well. Yeah, validate when your partner does something that you love or that you um, feel loved when they do. Because then not only are they going to feel good about getting that compliment probably, but also um, you're affirming that they're doing something right and they're more likely to do it again. Absolutely. And so... Once you were able to sit down, have that conversation, talk it through, please be patient with yourself and learning a new love language. Please be patient with your partner and the people in your lives when they are learning to communicate in the way that you know best, as long as you can tell that they are making the effort, because it is hard to change the way that you process love, give love, mm-hmm. go through that. You you are literally changing a way that you process a massive emotion to the way that we live. So please be patient with yourself, be patient with the people in your life. And I think it is something very important to know before going into a relationship or really committing, make sure that this person, if they do not already communicate in the way that you prefer, is willing to put in the effort. Because that will tell you so much about the way that your relationship will continue to go. Right, and the strength that it will have moving forward and if that person is going to weather the storms with you because you want someone that's going to weather the storms with you and you should be the kind of person that's going to weather the storms with them because that's how relationships last. It is. that That's how you build a, a, a soulmate. That's how you build, like, something that's lasting because, I mean, I'm not a fan of these fast food quick fixes and things like that. You're not going to learn how to redo these things overnight. You're not going to learn, you know, your partner's love language overnight. And that's okay, but you have to be patient with each other and both take responsibility to be able to communicate each other's love languages and then take the time and the effort to actually learn them and even if that takes a while but be patient with each other and that doesn't mean like put up with them putting it off that means like they're actively trying and doing the things and showing that they are trying to learn and 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 trial and error and it might be taken a little bit longer and that's okay absolutely and if you are the one who is learning a new love language is completely okay if you do something and then go hey like, as with somebody, and they have gifts as their love language. And so I'm checking and go, do you consider this a gift? Because to me, a lot of the same things are acts of service. And so I'm like, is this me communicating in your love language? Is this it? Like, it's okay to ask for that validation. Because more than likely, 
The answer is yes. Right. Or at least that is showing, okay, maybe, like, you didn't quite hit the mark, but they can see that you're trying. Right. And, like, slight touchback on gifts. Gifts don't always have to be an expensive thing. It could be gummy bears. Like, it could be flowers. Flowers are literally, like, four bucks. Swear to God. You can go into Publix or any grocery store and get a bouquet of flowers for, like, four or five bucks. Like, yeah. Kroger had $5 bouquets of sunflowers. Those are my favorite flowers. Like, or my my actual favorite flower, Baby's Breath, they always have for $4 in mm-hmm. huge bunches. And I buy it for myself because I yeah. love them. Like, the simplest little thing can make someone's day. You don't know. And that that can be a gift or a gift can be, like, jewelry or whatever yeah. else. The traditional sense. This sounds weird. I bought him baking supplies so that I could bake for him. <laughs> like, that was my way. And he was like, yep, yeah, this counts. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Nice. That that was my thing because it's something I already love doing. To me, it's considered an act of service. To them, it's a gift. A really funny thing that I gave my ex, um, boxers with my face on them. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was it was an inside joke. Don't make fun of me. And I sent them to him in a care package. A big military thing is like making care packages, decorating Mm -hmm. the care packages. You fill them with snacks and like maybe a card game or, you know, silly things like that. Maybe a letter and you decorate it, put something cute in there, a pun or a joke or like whatever on the color papers, like those things show like that's effort like those things take a minute to make okay and that shows love in a very specific way so like that could even be a gift giving even though it's something that you make you know that's another thing in the very beginning of my relationship for I think it was my first anniversary I made this little flip book of like all the things that we had done and it was like a cartoon I put a lot of effort into that too but it was something that I made I didn't even have to buy it it's something that I made and that was considered a gift to him. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that I want to say that I think will really help wrap everything up, in the last podcast, we talked about attachment styles, learning your attachment style, communicating in it. Here we're talking about love languages, learning your love language, and communicating in it. Um, once again, if you want to take a quiz to find out your love language, we still recommend writing down things that previous partners have done or your current partner is doing that really makes you feel loved. But if you would like to also take the quiz, it is fivelovelanguages.com. And I went to a seminar this, or did an online seminar this past week with the Bowen Center um, over dating and relationships. And one of the greatest things that they said was in order to truly process the changes that you're making in changing the way that you uh, give and receive love, changing your attachment style, any of that, outside resources are required. This does not necessarily mean therapy, but it can be talking to friends and family, you know, reaching out if you have like a church community or a group of people that you are involved with, if it is therapy for you absolutely wonderful. All of those are outside resources that can help you through this process because I've been there to where I was not getting quite enough love for my partner and in the process of trying to be patient with them to learn how to communicate the way that I needed, I had to reach out to my friends and go, listen, this is the circumstance and I would really appreciate it if like just for a little while I could get a little bit more from y'all. Like 
you know, an extra compliment here or there, something like that, to make this process easier. And if you have the right support system, it's not a lot to ask. Exactly. That's the thing. Is As long as your support system is, is good, then asking to be loved properly is not a lot to ask. You're not hard to love, and asking to be loved the right way is not being needy. So think about that because I think that's it's something... It's also not being selfish. It's not. It, that's something that a lot of people get caught up on, and... It stops you from getting the love that you deserve and then gets you caught in this spiral of feeling lonely or left out or unloved or maybe unlovable. But I promise you are not unlovable. You are not hard to love. You deserve love. Not the love that you think you deserve, but love that you actually deserve. Yes. So, yeah, we'll just, we'll leave you guys with that this week. Um... Thank you so much for tuning in again and for following us along and being interested and sending us so many sweet messages. We appreciate you guys so much and we really hope that you could resonate with at least one of us or found something here that um, maybe helped you with your confidence or gave you the uh, boost that you needed to take steps in the direction of asking for the love that you need. So that is all for this episode. Once again, I'm Ashley. And I'm Mina. And And make make good good choices. choices.